Church, here tonight we're going to be starting this new series titled Follow Me. And I'm super excited because in this series, God is going to uh, God is going to take us the next couple of weeks. Uh, God is going to take us the next couple of weeks and show us what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and who can be a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, so oftentimes we hear sermons or we hear messages centered around discipleship and we hear messages centered around um, all these other things about what it means to be a Christian. But what does it truly mean? What is the main objective? What is the main outlook or what is the main aspect of being a Christian, being a child of God, being a follower of Jesus Christ? So over the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to take a look through God's word and we're going to um, have this discussion as to what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. I'm super excited and I pray that you guys are just as excited as I am. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So before I give you guys my title for tonight, we're going to go ahead and get into the word of the Lord and lay our foundation, and then I will go ahead and give you the title for tonight's message. So if you would please do me a favor and turn open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. That's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Again, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Now, keep in mind, you, that I read from the ESV version of the Holy Bible. That is the English Standard Version of the Holy Bible. However, you may use whatever translation you prefer to use. Um, just keep in mind that the wording is different, but the general meaning is the same. Again, I say that to you, that the, 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 the wording is different, but the general meaning is the same. So again, it's the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. And if you're still getting there, that's fine. Take your time. But once you get there, please make sure that you read and follow along. The word of God reads, it says, while walking by the sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their fathers and followed him. So in this story, we have Jesus who... Just in this very same chapter, earlier in chapter four, we have Jesus, um, I think near the end of chapter three, you have Jesus being baptized in chapter four, early chapter four, you have Jesus being led into the wilderness, a barren place, a desolate place um, to seek his father, to fast for 40 days and 40 nights because he was baptized and the Holy Spirit had descended upon him in the form of a dove to confirm to the bystanders that this is the Holy One of God, that this is indeed the Christ, that this is indeed the fulfillment of God's uh, prophesied word. And so the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus in the form of, of the dove. 
after he was baptized through the water. Then the spirit of the Lord leads him into the barren place, the wilderness, where he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And as Jesus is there fasting, uh, glory to God, um, he's tempted. And after he's tempted and he overcomes the temptation, he then enters into his ministry. He goes into his ministry and the very first thing that Jesus begins to do is select the ones that he needed to select in order to train them and raise them up that they may lay the foundation of the New Testament church. The church that me and you are standing in today is a partaker of the original church that was created way back when in the book of Acts. Amen. So <clears throat> right after Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness for the 40 days and 40 nights, after he overcame the temptation, he goes out and he goes back home. He goes back home. He goes back to Na uh, 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 Nazareth. He goes back to Nazareth and he picks his 12 disciples right after being baptized and as soon as he walks into his ministry. Once he got there, once he got there, he needed to be uh, where he got where he got to where he needed to be. He started choosing those whom he wanted to follow him. The first one that he picked was Simon, also known as Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were fishermen and they were in their boat doing their job. And then Jesus called out to them and said, hey, you come follow me. And the amazing thing about this story is it says that they didn't question, but they left their nets. They left their boats. They left their dads. They left their wives. They left their brothers and they left their sisters. They left everything that they had been given behind to go follow the one that called them to follow. Now, let me ask you this. Would you be willing to let go of your job just picture, if Jesus was in this modern day, right? If Jesus lived in this modern day and Jesus came to your job, rather you work at a grocery store, rather you work at Target, Walmart, wherever you work, right? Jesus come up to you and say, hey, come follow me. Would you literally leave everything behind just to go follow Jesus? That's the question that I ask you. Would you literally leave everything behind to go follow Jesus? Would you? But they left everything. They left their house. They left their kids. They left their wives. Their, uh, they left everything to go follow Jesus. One thing that I want to point out here is that the people that Jesus selected were very unlikely people to be selected to be used in any spiritual matter. The Sanhedrin the Pharisees and Sadducees, I can guarantee you that they would not pick Peter or Simon. They would not pick Andrew. They would not pick Matthew. They would not pick any of the followers that Jesus selected because they were considered unworthy to deal with spiritual matters. And it says that in one part of scripture that even when Jesus went back home and he began to teach in the synagogue, when he got the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he began to read the scripture and said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled within me. They say, who is this? Ain't this the carpenter's boy? He has no education. He's not well educated as we are. Amen. And even, even so how it is in this modern day and age that if you don't have 
a biblical, uh, you're not a biblical scholar or you don't have a degree or you don't have some kind of paperwork to show um, the anointing of God on your life, then a lot of people want to cast you out. A lot of people want to write you off and say that God can't use you because you're not well-versed or you're not well-educated. But one thing I will tell you is that you ain't got to be well-educated to be used by God because God used a tax collector by the name of Matthew who was very corrupt in nature and yet God still used him to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He used a loudmouth by the name of Simon who was then renamed Peter because the very person that always had something to say and his mouth always got him in trouble ended up blessing him in the long run because when everybody wanted to get mute and not acknowledge who Jesus was at the opportune time, G uh, Peter, Simon, he was the one that spoke up and said, you are the Christ. You are Jesus of Nazareth. You are the son of God, the only begotten son of God. You are the one who comes to take away the sins of the earth. And Jesus said, surely this was revealed to you by my father in heaven. So I tell you on this day, you're no longer going to be known as Simon, but now I'm going to give you a new name, which means Peter, which means rock, which means upon the church, I will build up off of you and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What would you do if Jesus said to you that I'm going to build a business up off of you? I'm going to build a ministry up off of you. I'm going to build something that you would never have thought or imagined that you could do. I'm going to build it up off of you and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This was confirmation. This was affirmation that Jesus was putting his stamp his seal of approval upon that in which he has now just confirmed, affirmed, appointed, and anointed. My God, my God, my God. I feel his presence, church. I feel his presence. So Jesus selected people that were very unlikely. He selected Peter, a loudmouth, Simon, back in the day. Matthew, a corrupt tax collector, always cheating people out of their money who was also known as Levi. Then he picked Judas, Issachariot, who would later betray him, who was a thief and had a strong love for money. Why do you think Jesus forewarned us and said that the love of money, not having money, but loving money is the root of all evil? Don't you know that Judas was standing right there by Jesus when he said that? And what's even better is that Judas, even though he saw what Jesus had done and he heard what Jesus had taught, he still didn't repent. He still held on to his love for money. He still held on to his sin. He still held on to his sin. And this was what caused him to lead Jesus. Uh, this is what caused him to lead Jesus into the hands of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to betray Jesus. Amen. He betrayed Jesus because he held on to his sin. Let me ask you, are you holding on to your sin? Don't you understand that just as Judas hold on to his sin, that it led him into betraying Jesus? Don't you know that when you hold on to your sin, when you continuously give in to temptation, that you are positioning yourself, that you are positioning yourself to be, uh, you're positioning yourself to betray Jesus. 
And in some way or another, I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, have betrayed Jesus by every time we chose to give in to sin. How am I betraying Jesus by me giving in to sin? You betray Jesus by giving in to sin because Jesus has given you the victory. So when you say that you have Jesus in your life and you give Jesus your yes, that you're going to follow him and you continuously live a life of defeat, that is betraying Jesus and what he wants to do in your life. Think of it this way. It's like a man and a woman who is married together. A man and a woman who is married together, they made a covenant. They made a vow to be faithful unto one another. And if you lust after, if you're a female and you lust after another man, you've committed adultery. And if you're a man and you've lusted after another woman, you have committed adultery. And if you've committed adultery, this means that you have been unfaithful unto the one that you made a covenant, that you made a sign a contract with. Amen. So when you made it, when you gave God your yes, when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, or whenever you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're giving God your yes. And when you give God your yes, it's as if you are signing a contract that you are going to try your best to live a holy, righteous, and purified life through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, somebody asked me, I think it was yesterday, what is the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. Why does the New Testament say that we have to do this, but the Old Testament says we should do this? Well, I told them the reason why it is is because the New Testament is the new covenant. The New Testament is the new covenant and which is uh, which is which is, which is within Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is the old covenant that can only condemn us and offend us. Amen. Glory to God. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant. And with the new covenant, we have new terms and conditions that we are to abide by. Amen. Amen. <laughs> My message title tonight is called to follow. Called to follow. Called to follow. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, called to follow. <laughs> what would you do if I told you that every last one of you here tonight no matter where you've been at in your life, no matter where you are right now, no matter where you think you're heading or where you are actually heading, what would you do if I told you, despite all your situations and your circumstances, that you have the chance, that you have the opportunity to become a disciple of Jesus Christ? What would you do if I tell you that no matter what you've been through, what you're currently going through, or what people say about you, or what people think about you, or no matter how corrupt people have made you out to be, what would you do if I tell you that you have the opportunity and you have the chance to become a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, I do want you to know something. I want to break some. Um, I want to break some some things that some mindsets that aren't true that a lot of people equate with Christianity or they equate with becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, let's debunk some of these things, shall we? Um, <laughs> a lot of people think that if you become a follower of Jesus Christ, that everything will be handed down to you on a silver platter, that there will be no challenges, there will be no struggles, uh, there will be nothing. Um, I will tell you that this is far from the truth. I will tell you that your life will get maybe even harder when you accept Jesus because, see, you're not at war with flesh and blood, <coughs> excuse me, but you're at war with principalities and dark forces 
that are at work in the heavenly places. In fact, in the word of God, it tells us that there will come a time before Jesus returns to get his church, before Jesus returns to get his people, there will be a time of persecution and there will be a time of tribulation. And it says that some of us will be sent to jail and some of us will be offered up to death. But Jesus says that when the world hates us to remember it, it has hated him first. And Jesus even goes in, I think it was in the Beatitudes, and he tells us that, you know, we're going to be <clears throat> we're going to be blessed in the kingdom of God, but we're going to be hated here on the earth for his namesake. And then he goes on to say, blessed are you when people persecute you for my namesake. Blessed are you when people lie on you for my namesake. Blessed are you when people, um, <clears throat> when people, you know, treat you wrongly, right? These are all the things that people do to us just because of the one whom we represent. Naturally, the world will reject you because you don't belong to it. You're not of the world, but you are now of Jesus Christ. Because when we gain citizenship in the kingdom of God, we lost citizenship to the world. The Bible says, Jesus said, you cannot be a friend of both God and the world. Either you are a friend of God or you are a friend of the world. You cannot have both. And the reason why that is, is because when you become a friend of God, God's going to make known to you the secrets of the kingdom and God will reveal to you the secrets of the world. And then in return, as God is giving you the revelation, God will then lead you to speak up against things. God will lead you to speak up against things that people are doing. And so when you began to do this and you speak against it and you identify it, those principalities and those dark forces and those spirits that are at work they're exposed and as they're being exposed, they get upset because they don't want to be seen because this is why they hide behind presidents and this is why they hide behind vice presidents and this is why they hide behind other people and position of authority. But when they are exposed, people then have the opportunity to rebuke it. People then have the opportunity to call it out. People then have the opportunity to bind it up and loose it. My God. So, naturally, the world will reject you when you become a citizen to the kingdom of God. But I tell you, unless you lose your citizenship to this earth and become a citizen in the kingdom of God, God can't fully use you. It is impossible for you to serve God or be a true follower of Christ if you have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. Don't you know that in the word of God, in the book of Revelation, it says that God either wants you hot or cold. He doesn't like any lukewarmness. And it says that if you are lukewarm, he will spit you out of his mouth. He will spit you out of his mouth. Who wants to be spit out of the mouth of God? My God. I ask you this. <clears throat> who can follow? Who can follow? Who can follow Jesus Christ? Who can follow? Don't think that because you are a Christian that everything is going to be easy for you. That things are going to be handed down to you. That's far from the truth. God will supply according to your needs, according to his riches and glory. That's his word. God is your provider. 
But because he is your provider doesn't mean that you have no nothing to do. The Bible says faith without works is dead. There is something that is required of you to get to the blessing that God is trying to give to you. And once you receive the blessing, even then there is something for you to do. Faith without works, my friends, is dead. Amen. God doesn't make our life easier, but he does make our life possible. I say that again. God does not make our life easier, but he does make our life possible. Say that to your neighbor. Neighbor, he does not make our life easier, but he does make our life possible. My God. If we want to become a follower of Christ, we must deny ourselves. Uh, we must deny ourselves that we may fully be capable of grabbing a hold of the things of God. Do me a favor. Turn open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, 24. So it's the same book, just a couple chapters over. Again, that's the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24. It says, it says, uh, then Jesus told his disciples, if any Anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's right there, church. If Jesus says to us and to, the, to them and says to us today, if you want to become my disciple, if you want to become my follower, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what town or region you come out of. It doesn't matter what family line you come from. It doesn't matter what you were caught up in. What matters is that you have a willingness to come out of it and grab a hold of the one that can save you, that can set you free, that can redeem your soul and give you life and life more abundantly and give you a life and eternity. My God. So who can follow? Jesus says anybody that has a desire to acknowledge that they are a sinner. Anybody that has the willingness to let go of this life that they may grab a hold of the one true life, the life that is found within him. Those are the ones that can be a follower of Jesus Christ. But he says that in order, us, in order for us to become a true follower, we must deny ourselves. We must deny ourselves. Why should we deny ourselves? Why is there a need for me to deny myself? The reason why that is is so that I can be fully capable of grabbing a hold of the things of God. Because see, if I don't empty myself out, if I don't let go of everything, then what is happening is I'm carrying a bunch of weight with me that is eventually going to hinder my walk with God. You are still with that person that's causing you to sin. You're still hanging out with that friend with benefits, right? That's leading you into sin because there's no type of commitment there. You're just shacking up with one another and you just go to please one another. But yet there is no actual commitment there. There is no actual love there. There is only love of the flesh in that relationship. My God. So it is necessary to empty yourself, rid yourself completely of the things that are not like God, that you may be filled with the things that are from God. Amen. 
To not to or to deny ourselves means to stop worrying about pleasing man. Stop worrying about the opinion of others. Only concern yourself with the opinion of God. Seek the Lord with a whole heart, even when you don't feel like it. Break anything off of you that is not godly. See, so many times we're so caught up in what man thinks. We're so caught up in what our boss thinks. We're so caught up in what our mom thinks. We're so caught up in what our husband or wife thinks. We're so caught up in what our congregation thinks. We're so caught up in what everybody else thinks. We're so caught up in the opinion of everybody else, but yet we care less about the opinion of God. Let me say this to you. What can man do to you that God can't? Or what, what can man do to you that God can't do to you? Amen? Man can only reject you. And man can only hurt what is in this flesh. But your Father in heaven can destroy both your flesh and your soul in the fires of hell. So why are you fearing man more than you fear God? Why are you fearing principalities and why are you fearing dark forces more than you fear your Father in heaven? My God. My God. Stop concerning yourself about the opinion of others. Because if you're worried about the opinion of others, it's going to hinder God being able to use you. And why I say that is because you're going to worry. God will give you a word. And you'll be like, oh, I don't know. You're going to try to sugarcoat it. You're going to try to water it down because you don't want to offend nobody. What I find funny is this week as I was reading the, the word of God, I got to the gospel of John. I forget what chapter it was. It was probably in between chapters three and seven, three, between three and seven. Got to John chapters, between chapters three and seven. And I came across a situation where Jesus uh, has said a particular thing. In fact, he was talking about the communion before communion was even conducted. Jesus was talking about it. He says that he's the bread of life and we must partake of his flesh and we must drink of his blood. And if we don't do so, then we can't enter the kingdom of God or something along the lines of that. And it says that Jesus, seeing their hearts, seeing they became offended. And Jesus then spoke out against it. He said, oh, did I offend you? And Jesus was not concerned with what he was saying because he knew that it was from God, his father. And he wanted to be, as he said, I'm about my father's business. He wanted to be about his father's business. So he did whatever God gave him to do. And he spoke out against what they were comfortable in. So when you are worried about the opinion of others, it's going to hinder what you teach. It's going to hinder what you speak. Amen. Um, I may not be invited to speak in a lot of churches because people know what I speak and they know what I teach and they know what I preach. And it's not that it's not truthful. It is that it's truthful. And that's why they don't want it. Because people in this day and age have itching ears and they want a gospel that is watered down and they want to hear all the good things of God, but don't want to hear the things that are going to challenge them and help them to grow. The church was never created by God to be one-sided. The church was created by God to be well-rounded. Say that to your neighbor. Neighbor, the church was never created to be one-sided. It was created to be well-rounded. My God. My God. Glory to God. So we must empty ourselves out. We must fully surrender everything unto God. We must deny ourselves. 
Amen. That we may become a true follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, to deny yourself is to empty yourself out that you may be filled more with the things of God. As you empty yourself out, God is going to resupply. God is going to refill you with the things that are of himself. Amen. Being a Christian, a follower of Christ is not always easy, as I said before, but Jesus definitely makes it possible. He tells us that we must be uh, we must carry our own cross. It says you must carry your cross. And the, the the crazy thing about that is is that when we carry our cross, sometimes we don't even realize that we're carrying our cross because Jesus comes alongside with us and helps us to carry that cross. Let me ask you this: What is your cross? What is your cross? You fill in that blank. Is it an addiction? Is it a broken marriage? Is it a broken relationship? Is it a broken friendship? Is it a broken family? Uh, is it a disobedient children or child? Uh, what is your cross that you carry on a daily basis? For some of you, your faith has become your cross and which you carry on a daily basis. But one thing I want you to know that if you just open up and let God come in alongside of you, he will help you carry your cross and get you to the place where you need to be with him and in him. It's crazy how so many Christians have become lazy and they call themselves followers of Jesus. But how can you be a follower of Jesus when you have no willingness to carry your own cross? And for some of the leaders in the church, they will give their cross to their congregation and require their congregation to carry the cross for them while they're standing behind them. My God. Break yourself away from any leader in the church that requires you to carry their mess and don't require, oh my goodness, but don't want to carry the mess for themselves. Break any friendship where they want you to carry their cross for them while they do nothing but stand behind you and watch you struggle. Break any connection up off of you where people are not wanting to carry their cross. Glory to God. And, 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 and even when you see your brother, when you see your neighbor struggling, help them. The Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens. This is another another way that we can carry our cross. Sometimes we get to a place where we become successful. We have carried our cross well. We have carried our cross well. But will you not help your brother? Will you not help your neighbor? Will you not help your sister carry their cross even when they struggle? My God, my God, help them. Help them, Lord. Help them. Glory to God. Help your neighbor. Help your brother. Help your sister. Help your wife. Help those that need the help and carrying their cross. Do you not know that as a follower of Jesus Christ that you are to share in the burdens of your brothers and your sisters? We are of one body. We are of one faith. We are of one baptism, death, and resurrection. So when one of us hurt, we all hurt. My God, it's sad to say that people rejoice when churches close. Since when, ha since when has church been a competition? 
Since when how many members we can fit into a building or fit into a Zoom call or fit into a church itself? Since when has this been a competition? Since when has God said the first one with the largest church wins? Never did he. <clears throat> In fact, it's not us who draws the crowds. It's the word of God. It is Jesus who draws the crowds. Amen. Glory to God. So now that we know that anybody can be a follower of Jesus Christ, my question to you is, are you willing? Are you willing? Ask your neighbor, neighbor, are you willing? Turn your Bibles open to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 14. Again, that's the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 14. And once you get there, again, just make sure you follow along, but I'm going to go ahead and begin to read. The Word of God says, you are my friends. That's what Jesus said. You are my friends if you do what I command you. My God. I'm going to go on to verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus tells us that if we do the will of the father, that if we do the will of Jesus and we hold up his commandments and we live our life for him and through him, then we are his friends. We are his friends. He says, no longer do I call you servants because servant, a servant does not know the secrets of the kingdom. But I call you friends because I make known to you the secrets of the kingdom. Whatever the father tells me, I tell you. So when you become a friend to Jesus, you will then be able to know the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Once you know that you have the option to follow Jesus, the question that becomes, are you willing? Are you willing to lay your life down? Are you willing to deny yourself on a daily basis? Are you willing to completely empty and rid yourself of the things of this world that you may become a true follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus tells us many times throughout his word that we must keep his commandments if we are to be his followers. He says, if you do not keep my commanded commandments, if you don't keep my commandments, you're not worthy of being mine. Are you willing to be obedient? Because some of us become disobedient because we want to do what we want to do all the while we say we're a follower of Jesus Christ. And then we'll try to use excuses like, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, do you understand what that means? To be a sinner saved by grace doesn't give you a ticket to freely sin. It gives you a ticket to come up out of sin. Grace is God's undeserved favor. So if God is giving you favor that you don't even deserve, who are you to abuse that? That's like if I was to write you a check for $50,000, even though God knows I don't have $50,000. But if I was to write you a check for $50,000... And I told you that the $50,000 was for a specific purpose. 
and it's not your money, who are you to use that money for something else other than what it was purposed, it was intended to be used for? My God. So, it's God's grace. It's God's favor to give that you did not deserve. So who are you to do anything, to abuse it? Amen? Are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to do exactly what Jesus says? Cut your life of sin. <coughs> Cut sin out of your life. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to let go of relationships that should not have been established in the first place? Are you willing to relocate if that's what the Lord would want you to do? Are you willing to get into ministry if that's what the Lord would want you to do? Are you willing to start a business if that is what the Lord would want you to do? Are you willing to sow if that's what the Lord would want you to do? My God. Obedience is hard. It's not an easy thing. Because when you're obedient to Jesus, that means you got to give some things up. And that means that you got to change your lifestyle. But one thing I will tell you is that being a follower of Jesus is not just a thing that you do. It's a lifestyle. A, a Christian has to, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a religion. It's not just a faith. It is a lifestyle. You have to change the way you live to become a true follower of Jesus Christ. You have to empty yourself out that you may be filled with the things of God and you must be obedient to the will, to the word, to the commandments of God. Obedience is hard. But again, who said it was going to be easy? Amen? Who said it was going to be easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And in fact, I challenge you that if you study the ministry of the 12 apostles, and even if you look into the modern day leaders of the church, you can see areas of where they struggle. And even if you don't see where they struggle, you can know they struggle somewhere down the road if they be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Obedience is hard, but it's not impossible. Say that to your neighbor. Obedience is hard, but it is not impossible. The Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because Jesus is our motivator. Amen. You don't have to, you don't have any hesitation to being obedient to sin. So how can you say it's hard being obedient to God? That's right. I say, I said that. Yep. I said what I said, church. <laughs> I said what I said. You have no problem with being obedient to sin, but yet you have every problem with being obedient unto God. For some of you, you struggle with your love of money. Well, Apostle, I don't love money. Well, if you love if you don't love money, then why is it you got so much money in your bank account, but yet you don't want to help the poor? Or you don't want to sow into anything that God may be leading you into sowing into. Yep, I said what I said, church. I said what I said. Amen. Glory to God. Obedience is hard. Yeah, you're right. But yet, even though it's hard, it's easy. Because what we fail to realize is that rather if we're obedient to God or not, we're obedient to something. 
If you're obedient to God, then you're disobedient to sin. But if you're obedient to sin, you're disobedient to God. So you got it. What it comes down to is picking and choosing what you want to be obedient to. Do you want to be obedient to your flesh, which leads to death, hell, and the grave? Or do you want to be obedient to God, which leads to repentance, salvation, and a new life through Jesus Christ? Amen. Are you willing to seek after the Lord with a whole heart and do his will instead of your own? Are you willing? And if you are willing, what are you willing to do? Amen. See, back in Jesus' day, when they saw and heard everything that Jesus did, everybody wanted to follow him, not because of what he not because of who he was but because of what he did and this is why Jesus did not for uh this is why not Jesus this is why Jesus did not allow them to follow him at that appointed time that's why only uh Jesus only kept a small influence a small circle of people around him it wasn't not it was not just because the father gave them to him he kept some of them at a distance because he knew that they were only wanting to follow him because of the works that he did, the miracles that he was able to perform. And this is why he did not allow them to follow him at that time. But now Jesus has died for our sins, raised to life and ascended into heaven. And now we should have a desire. We should want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. But what is sad is that people back then that had the opportunity to become a follower of Christ after Jesus had died and resurrected no longer wanted to become a follower of Christ. Half of them did, but half of them didn't. My God. And even this day, some of us want to become followers of Jesus only to continue to live our life of sin. But I tell you that if you're going to live your life of sin, you cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because yes, we all fall short of the glory of God. Yes, that is true. Even while being saved, there may be times where we have slip-ups and we make mistakes because we're only human and that's natural. But we also, when we acknowledge that we made an error, when we acknowledge that we've sinned against God, we got to go back to the altar of God and repent and call out unto Jesus for grace and forgiveness and mercy. Hear me, church. Hear me. Not saying that you will never sin against God after you come over to God because we all make mistakes. We all are in the flesh still. But what I tell you is that when you realize that you made a mistake, repent and turn back unto God. Seek the Lord while you still can find him. Seek the Lord while the door is still open for surely the door will be, uh, will about to be shut, is about to be shut. Amen. Amen. So are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to live that obedient life? Are you willing to repent of sin as soon as you commit it? Are you willing to put up that good fight not to easily give in to temptation and then use an excuse to justify your sin? But are you <clears throat> are you willing? Are you willing to come up out of yourself that you may come fully over to Jesus Christ? Amen. Lastly, I ask you, what are you displaying? 
what are you displaying? Ask your neighbor, neighbor, what are you displaying? What are you showing people in your life? What, if I was to look into your life, what would I see? Better yet, if Jesus was to look at your heart, what would he see? Don't you understand, church, that we are to be imitators of Jesus, that we are to be imitators of Christ? Don't believe me? Reference 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Don't believe me? Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Reference that in your own time. Study that in your own time. The apostles tell us through the Holy Spirit that we are to be imitators of Christ Jesus, not of the world. What does that mean to be an imitator of Christ? Well, to be an imitator of Christ, that means that Christ has to have the center stage in your life at all times. That means that Jesus has to be front and center in your life at all times. So if I look at you, I should see Jesus within you. Either we're going to display Jesus or we're going to display the enemy. Again, it's a matter of picking and choosing what we want to do. When we display the enemy, we show anger. When we display the enemy, we show hatred. When we display the enemy, we show discrimination. When we display the enemy, we lie. When we display the enemy, we live anything but a godly life. What type of life are you living right now? Now, if there be any discrimination within you, get rid of it. If there is any uh, uh, prejudices in you, get rid of it. If there's any hatred, anger, bitterness, whatever in you, get rid of it. That you may be filled with the peace of God. That you may be filled with the joy of the Lord that will serve as your strength that you may have enough strength to go in the world and bind those spirits and those principalities up that people may have a chance at hearing the truth of God and that they may repent from their wicked ways and turn unto God and receive the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as their personal Lord and Savior. My God. Being an imitator of Christ has more power than what you think. My God, when we display the enemy, we're not displaying God, my Lord. When we, when we live a repentant life, we live a life that Jesus is truly displayed. Again, we're all going to fall short of God's glory. It's not a ticket for us to continue to live in sin. This is a ticket for us to get out of the sin. And walk with God on a daily basis. Because if I walk with the Lord on a daily basis, how can I give in to my flesh? How can I give in to my temptations without first putting up a fight? My God. My God. Stop hiding Jesus behind the veil of sin in your life. And let him tear the veil down that you may see clearly and that he may use you for his glory. Some of you have a veil of sin in your life. And you wonder why people can't see Jesus within you because you're hiding Jesus behind that veil. Don't you understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it says that there was a mighty earthquake. But at the point in time in which Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn in the middle. 
the veil in the temple was torn in the middle. And the reason why the veil was torn was because that was God saying, no longer shall you be hidden. No longer shall you be hidden. No longer shall you not be able to see the presence of God if you so wish to do so. God has torn the veil. But are you willing to tear the veil of sin in your life that you may see God even more clearly than what you're able to do now? God has given us access through Jesus Christ, his son, because see, behind the veil, only the priest was allowed to go behind the veil. But Jesus tore the veil so that we could see what was behind it, so that we could have direct access to God, the throne of God, our father, my God. So stop hiding Jesus behind the veil of sin in your life. Let him tear that veil of sin off of your life that people may come to know him and see him through the life that you live. My God. By displaying Jesus, you display the light and which leads people to life. Choose this day what you will reflect. Choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day if you want to be a true follower of Jesus Christ or not. Amen. So I tell you, who can be a follower? Any one of you can be a follower of Jesus Christ. No matter where you are right now in your life, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your past says about you, no matter what your future or your current situation says about you, God loves you. And he desires a relationship with you. The question becomes, are you willing to initiate? Are you willing to grab a hold of that relationship in order for you to become a true follower of Jesus Christ, to be born into the kingdom of God? Are you willing? Amen. Amen. Church, did you receive this word on tonight? If you received it, give God all the praise, give him the glory and the honor for he alone is worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Glory to God for your word. We praise you, Lord, on high tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. As we prepare to close out tonight, church, two things are about to happen. One, we're going to give you the invitation for any one of you that wishes to get your heart right with God, wishes to commit or recommit your life over to Jesus Christ. And then secondly, after that takes place, we will close out our night and worship. Amen. So we are not done here yet. So please stay tuned. Amen. Glory to God. So before we depart, we never like to end a broadcast. We never like to end or conclude a worship experience without first giving you the opportunity to get your heart right with God. Maybe you were that person that we I talked about in the message where, you know, you've come from a corrupt family. You come from the least likely neighborhood where they say nothing good can ever come out of that neighborhood. Maybe you came out the projects. Maybe you came out of a low income family. Whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstances, whatever people have said about you does not matter. What matters in this moment is what the word of God says. And the word of God says that you have an opportunity to get your life to uh, get your life right. You have an opportunity to be saved. You have an opportunity to get your heart right with God, to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. And that, my friend, is the best 
decision that you could ever make because when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have to carry your cross alone. There are brothers and sisters in the faith that can help you carry that cross. And there's God, of course, who is more than capable of helping you carry that cross, carry that struggle that is. Not only that, you have an opportunity to become a part of an awesome family. Glory to God, a family of brothers and sisters that will love you, that will pray for you, that will pray with you, that will support you, encourage you, empower you, and even hold you accountable, lest you not fall back into sin. There are so many great benefits to being a son or daughter of God. Don't procrastinate any longer. The Bible says nobody knows the day nor hour of Jesus' return. I would encourage you to live your life as though it is the last day on earth. Amen, because no man knows the day nor hour. Not even the angels, not even Jesus, but only the Father God knows when his son will return to the earth to rapture, to gather the harvest of his church, of his people. If you're not sure, be sure. If you're not sure of your salvation, if you're not sure of your relationship with Jesus, then be sure tonight. Or if you've never had a relationship with Jesus, but now you want to do so, this is your opportunity. You ain't got to be made right to be right. I'm sorry. You ain't got to be made right to get right. Amen. You ain't got to be right to get right. All you got to do is be willing. Be willing. Are you willing? If so, come to the end of yourself today. Come to the altar be willing to surrender everything unto Jesus and receive him and all that is within him as your personal Lord and Savior, as the gap filler in your life. If you wish to make that decision, if you wish to commit or recommit your life to Jesus tonight, start by clicking on that hand, that blue hand, that raise hand button there in the chat. Let us know that you're making that decision, that you are taking that stand for Jesus Christ. Don't worry about the opinions of others. Only in this moment, worry about the opinion of God because that's the only one that ever truly matters. Click on that raise hand button. Let us know that you are making that decision, that you are taking that stand for Jesus Christ. And as you do that, join us in this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you tonight. I humble myself before your throne of grace. I humble myself at the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, Lord, for all that I've done wrong against you. Lord, I stand here before you today and I repent and I surrender my life in its entirety over to you. And I receive you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for me. I believe on the third day you raised to life. You ascended into heaven and you are soon to come back again. Lord Jesus, make your home in my heart. Help me to be more like you each and every day. Remember me and record my name in your book of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that simple prayer, I would like to be the first to welcome you to or welcome you back to the family of God. If you just committed or recommitted your life to Christ and you have not yet done so, click on that raise hand button and take it the next step. Share with somebody that you have committed or recommitted your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen and amen. Glory to God. 
<clears throat> if you would like personal prayer or if you have any questions or concerns, feel more than free to click on that live prayer button right there beneath the video feed. We have people on standby that would love the opportunity to pray with you, to fellowship with you, um, whatever it is that you need. We would love to offer that to you. So amen. So we're going to go ahead and close out in worship. Congratulations and welcome to those of you that committed or recommitted your life to Jesus. We are so delighted that you have made that decision for Christ. And we encourage you to bookmark that page that loaded up and appeared on your computer screen once you have done so. Um, as it will formally introduce you to who Jesus is and who he wants to be and can be in your life. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, family, it was always, as always, it's been a blessing to be here with you all tonight. I look forward to fellowshipping with you guys a little bit in the chat. But let's go ahead now and prepare our hearts for worship as we end our worship experience on tonight. God bless you. Have a blessed, impactful week. And uh, may God bless you and send his angels to watch and guard over you and protect you. In Jesus' name, amen.